0: Good morning, everybody. How is everybody today? Good. Good. You guys, you guys excited for this time of year? Yeah. I mean, there there's nothing greater. Here in a few days, we get to have like the biggest, greatest birthday party that ever exists. I mean, we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus. I mean, come on, you guys get excited about that. Come on. I mean, you guys you guys will go nuts for your friend's birthday party. But we're going to have Jesus' birthday party. I mean, that, that is something to be excited about. So the, the message that I have for you guys today is a... I was asked to do a Christmas story by Fred. Um, so I, <laughs> But I, I, did, I did steal his message, kind of. Um, so I, it forces him to, to pick something else. So what we're, we're going to look at today is, is, is the birth of Christ... Um, and some things that, that took place during that. But kind of, I'm, I'm hoping to put a little bit of a, a different spin to it that, that God kind of showed me as I was walking through this story. And uh, I've entitled this, Are You Willing? Um, because there there is a part in us that that it's, we have a responsibility in our walk with Christ. Who knows that? It's, I love that, that God is willing to do it for us. I love that God is for us and not against us. Um, but there is our part. And who knows that, that in a friendship, it's, it's a two-sided thing also. Um, he puts a lot more in than what we do, which I'm more than willing to accept. Um, but it's something that we have to look at. So like I said, we're going to look at Luke 2 today. And I, I want to read through before we get really started into this. I want to I read through the scriptures real quick to you. And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of break them down and, and look at them. So we're going to look at Luke 2, uh, verses 1 through 20. And it says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius, I did not pronounce that right, forgive me, uh, was governing Syria. <laughs> So, so all of one went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed, for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, Now there were in the same city, or excuse me, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told, by the, told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Amen. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray over the top of this message. Ask for, for God to, to truly lead this. Heavenly Father... Just thank you again this morning. We, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this house that you've given us to congregate in. We, we thank you that you, you still very much speak to us today. God, as, as always, allow this message to be 100% of you, zero of me. I ask that you, you use these, this time and these words to, to allow us to, to receive from you. Hear what it is that, that you're speaking to us. Give us a willingness, Father God, to, to step out with boldness into you today, and to do as, as you're leading us to do. God, I ask for for all that are here today to truly receive and feel the love of you in the heart, and to just, just know that your presence is great with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to be honest, uh, I I'm kind of worried about this message. I feel, you know, the, the birth of Christ, like there's nothing I could say to glorify it to the, to the esteem that it should really be glorified, but I'm going to do my best here for you guys today. Before we get into the message, I want to, I want to show you something that I learned. Um, I've spoke about it a couple times, but I want to show you something I've learned throughout my study time and, and how to study the Word of God, and that's uh, exegesis, Jesus. I believe I'm pronouncing them right. These are, are two different study forms for, for what the Word of God says to us. And the first is its original context of biblical passage to determine that passage's meaning. So it is, it is the literal form of what the verse means and what it is saying. The other is the ex- eisegesis which is using things other than the original context of the biblical passage to determine that passage's meaning. So in, in the short of the Jesus is the, what do you interpret from it? What's between the lines? What is it saying to you? And it is, it is very important that, that we do understand the contextual meaning of God's word and what it is literally saying. But they say that, you know, we're told that, that Jesus' word the Bible is a living, breathing word. So it is very much alive today. And I can have a conversation with my wife and the same conversation with Fred and two meanings being taken out of that same conversation, depending on where you're at in your life, depending on the situation that is happening with you. So you're using the things around you, the things you know, and what you're walking through to determine what it is that God is saying to you. And, uh, a good bit of what I'm going to use today is what God has spoken to me through this message and, and also my, my own life circumstances that I had to walk through to, to understand what he was saying to me. So, but the first that I want to look at in that scripture is the, the very first few words of verse one. But you guys, through that yellow, you can't see it the greatest, but it says, and it came to pass in those days. And I want you to see that he's describing here, he's giving you a literal context of factual things that took place. And I'm not, I'm not referring to the, the birth of Jesus. Yes, that is very much factual and a real, a real event that took place. But he's letting you see that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. And it, it is proven that this is a, a literal thing in history that took place but what this is also doing is allowing to give us what time frame in the world this happened so we can take things that the secular world is aware of and, and make it known that we are talking about during this time frame in life this took place also it continues on to say the, the census and I, most of us know what a census is. Um, it's done, I believe, every four years here in America. But the census that took place then is, is a little bit different. It was, it was the rulers that wanted to know how much money they're supposed to be collecting and also how many men they had to prepare for war. And that is why you had to go to be registered in your own city. So that is why Joseph had to travel back to his home country because you had to be registered to fight in an army with your own people. Galilee to Judea. So I, I want to identify this because I want you to see that there, I, I told you that it, This is part of your will, and there's work that has to be done. Now, I don't want anything to get confused during this message. You are not saved by works. But there is work in your salvation. And I hope we can really differ the two in those, that it's not by your works that God gives you grace. It's because of grace that you do the work. So, but going from Galilee to Judea, if you look at it on, on Google Maps, in a straight line, is about 80 miles. So at this time frame, they did not have nice little cars and trains, planes, all that kind of stuff to make this trip in a few minutes or a few hours, whatever. They had to walk this. Now, I want to remind you that, that Mary is very much pregnant. At this time, she is nine months pregnant. And I, I can tell you right now that when my wife was nine months pregnant, getting her to walk to the store was, was a task for me sometimes. I ended up doing it on my own. So, but I want you to see that it, Mary, Mary was very much willing to, to be obedient with inside of her fiance. It says, but it says I'm not pronounced, betrothed wife which that actually means a, a, a person who is engaged. So they are not fully married at this time. But, but Mary much had a willingness of submission at the same time. But it wasn't just her that had the willingness of submission. There was also her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, who had a willingness and submission to his governing authority. It's kind of a whole other message for us that, that we are called to obey the law of our land. But I want you to see that that there was a census that took place, there was a submission and a willingness to, to to be obedient, which then gave us what began to line up, the birth of Christ. And in that, they had to be in the right place at the right time. But I want you to see that also that It's amazing that just these these seven passages right here fulfill so many prophecies of the Old Testament. Just three of those prophecies that were fulfilled is Jeremiah, it's in Jeremiah 23, Micah 5, 2, and Isaiah 7, 14. All of these prophecies had to be fulfilled to know that it was the birth of the Savior that was taking place. And the only way that that could take place is if God put the right people in the right place at the right time. This is where our submission and our willingness to to do the things of the world play in with God making it all greater for his good. What is that? Romans 8.28, I believe it is, that, that God will cause all things to work together for the greater of his good, of the people who are called according to his purpose and love him. Mary and Joseph are two people that absolutely love God. And they, he is taking the things of the world and working them together for the greater of the good of the purpose of the birth of Jesus. We're told in there, days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up to, you, to David a branch of righteousness. We, we know this because we're told that in everyone to his own city, Joseph, and, and, and that's, Joseph is, is part of his lineage, that's what gives us that, Micah 5 two, but to you, Bethlehem, that's saying that, that where your Savior will be born, so Jesus had to take them this 80 mile, or excuse me, God had to take them this 80 mile journey to put them in Bethlehem to make it the right people, the right lineage at the right place. And then also, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, Mary. And we all know the stories of that's in Luke one of how Mary conceived. Um, If you don't know that story, please see me afterwards. And I I would be glad to go over that with you. (laughs) Um. But that's, that's how that one was fulfilled. But you get into verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. There's another prophecy that is fulfilled here. And it's one that I believe we really need to think about. Because a lot of times we see that Jesus was rejected during his, his three-year ministry, you know, 30 years after his birth. But do we really think of how much he was rejected from the second he came into this earth? Isaiah 53.3 tells us this. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and iniquity with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. From the second he was born, it says, for there was no room in the inn." A lot of us do the same thing with Jesus today. We have, we have room for him, but it's not in the main house. It's not in the good part of our life. It's not in the comfy bed, the nice room, inside the inn. We'll give you what we have left over on the outskirts. We'll let you into the to the cold dark spots of our life, but I won't let you into the the quality end of my life. Shows that he was rejected completely from the start. It also says he he knew sorrow and was despised. From the day he was born, he knew sorrow. And that sorrow was not the, the little barn setting that we all put underneath our Christmas tree. He, so when it says that he was laid in a manger, that manger um, in that time was, was most likely, I don't have any factual evidence of this, but was most likely a cave, And the the thing that they actually laid him in was a stone that would be on the side of the cave that was chiseled out to have like a gully in it. And that is what they would feed and water their animals from. We took Jesus and laid him in that. And he still had a willingness to carry on his ministry, unlike we do today. What if Jesus would have did the things of, oh, well, my childhood, I started out like this, and, and this, this, I had to be laid in this, this cave, and I had to be laid in this little sloppy trough. I, I must not be the Messiah. I, I can't do something great because of what my childhood was, because of the way I was born. We have a mentality of that today. We, we want to blame that the, the ugly parts of our life for the reason that we act the way we do today. But also, a lot of us do the thing of, oh, I can't receive salvation because of how dirty my life was, or how dirty my life is. Jesus was laid in a feeding trough where slop was to give you salvation and you're telling me because you've done a little messed up things in your life that you can't receive what he, what he has done for you? We have to get away from this mentality of, oh, my childhood was so bad, or oh, this happened yesterday, so t- today can't be any good. We have to get away from this. And it, I'm going to get a little bit more into it here in a minute, but that's, that's a fear. That's not a shame. That's not a doubt. That's not a guilt. That's a fear. A fear that... I I can't complete something. And and you just want to find a reasoning to not complete it, to not walk forward, to not be a part of it. We're also told we're told in Matthew 8:20 that Jesus said, "Foxes have holes and and, excuse me, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, I know that Jesus was much older in life when he said those words, but I believe at that time Jesus was proclaiming that, that even though since the day I was born, the day that I had no true place to lay down, nobody was willing to give me space then, is still what stands today, but I'm still going to stand I'm still going to tell you what my father has sent me to do, and I'm still going to continue on, even though I'm despised, rejected, and have nowhere to lay. Goes on in verse 8 to tell us, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I want you to remember that word, afraid. It's multiple places for us. But something that I learned as, as I was going through this, and I, and I thought this was, was so interesting of a thought, and um, this is the part where it's reading between the lines. Of It says the shepherds in that same country. So there's a very good chance that these shepherds were what I believe is called temple shepherds. And those are, those are shepherds that there was a daily sacrifice done for the atonement of sins in that. And it had, we all know from Old Testament law, that it had to be a perfect lamb without spot that would be done for the sacrifices. So this is the first people besides Mary and Joseph that the birth of Jesus is getting announced to. How awesome of a thought process is it? that the first person, the first people that God wanted to know was the people who were known for picking out the perfect lamb. It's the same ones that wants to come, and he wants them to come and see this perfect child that has been born. But that word afraid. If you look anywhere that I've seen that an angel appears and talks to someone, It says that they had fear. Um, Earlier in Luke, in chapter 1, Zacharias, you know, in in Luke 1.12, Zacharias had had the angel appear to him, and and it says that fear fell upon him. If you back up in in Luke 1.29, that when the angel speaks to Mary, it's, it's, how does it say it? Uh, It says that she was troubled. But the thing is, is what is told to us directly after any time that we see that there's fear by God calling somebody to do something. What is the first thing that he says to them, this angel? Peace. Fear not. And this is what holds up a lot of us in our life. This is what stops a lot of us from doing our calling that God has ordained us to do, is fear itself. Now I want you to know, Fear is a very real emotion. Fear is something that all of us experience. And I'll tell you too, that that fear is God-given. But it is not supposed to be the driving force of what you do. Fear is given to you so that you can be cautious of things in your life. I am fearful of falling off this stage in the middle of speaking with you guys. So what do I do? I keep myself two to three inches away from the edge. Why do I do that? Because I have a fear of it. That is a healthy, good fear. What is not supposed to take place is when God has ordained and called you into a purpose is you not to walk into it because your fear outweighs what God says about you. The shepherds themselves, when this fear comes upon them, are standing where? In the field. And it says at night. Reading in between the lines and thinking about that, most of the time when God will really, I know for myself personally, when He'll speak to you is when you're in your darkest moments. It's when God will, will really uplift you. And again, I go back to fear. Are you going to use these times to to have more fear and anxiety in your darkest moments? Or are you going to utilize these times to see the light of God that's being shown around you as the the shepherds had inside of this dark field that is there? So as I told you, that when the the fear came upon them, the first thing that an angel always does to the ones that he's speaking to, just as he does with the, the shepherds that are standing here, it says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Pause there for a second. The angel of the Lord is is clarifying for them right now to all people. That means that they wanted the shepherds to know that it wasn't just for them that are standing there at that precise moment. That the, the event that is taking place, the birth of the Savior that he is talking about is to everybody. And also not just the, it doesn't say all people who are living now, all people who have already passed away, all of you that are standing in the field. It says nothing along those lines. It says to all people. We are told that same thing in multiple places. John 3, 16, which is the famous verse that, that most of us have memorized by heart, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It said, whoever. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever again. For this is the, excuse me, First Titus 2, verse 3, for this is the good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord, uh, excuse me, in sight of God our Savior, who desires all all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. As we'll look here in a few minutes, the the shepherds, they go on to tell everything that was said to them. And I guarantee you that one of those parts that they are including is standing there and saying, to all of you, the Savior's been born, is what he's telling them. And it's very much alive today. And, and we've, we've got to stop allowing fear to be inside of us and, and proclaiming that our past is so bad and our childhood was so terrible that I can't be with God. Because he doesn't say to the good people. He doesn't say to the righteous man who's never had no filth in his life. This angel says to all, that includes you and I. That, that includes the drug addict. That includes the rich man that's, that's been in front of the church his entire life. That, that includes the, the widow who sits in the back of it. To all people, to this day, salvation is here. It's a great joy to all people. I like that great joy. A shepherd's job was not something that was easy. A shepherd's job is not something that was it was there, but the public didn't want nothing to do with that type of person. They considered them kind of almost a filth. And he wants them to know that, that even in the place that you're in in life, that you can have joy inside of it. That, that even though you're fearful right now, as you stand in this dark place, this dark field that you're in, and I, I just popped out of nowhere and scared you, but you can still have great joy in your situation. Says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. And I believe that's God calling for us right now. <laughs> Somebody needs to answer that. Somebody here needs to answer that. So he's he's letting us, the angel is letting the, the shepherds know of a few things that is taking place right now. It says, born. He's, he's, the angel's letting them know what is happening right now as he's speaking to him. And he, he says to you. He's reassuring them that, that, that this isn't a figment of their imagination, that, it, that he's little, literally talking to them. He's re- reassuring us of the all that is included, like I said a minute ago. In the city of David, they, they, he's letting the shepherds know where it is. But I want you to see, and we'll talk about it in the next verse also, that in nowhere in here does the angel say to the shepherds, go to this place. Travel like this. I want you to do this. Nowhere in there does this angel tell them anything along those lines. All that the angel is doing is allowing them to know what is happening. Who it's happening with and who it's happening for. And then, of course, it says, the, in the city of David, a savior He identifies again that it's in the city of David because the, the shepherds, you know, I, I would say, know what the prophecies were saying to them. What the, what the previous prophets had said about the Savior that is coming. The thing that they're talking about, the Savior, of where it's happening, and he's letting them know that because it's coming out of the lineage of David. Goes on to say in Luke 12, or 2 12, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So the angel's just identified with the shepherds of where this was taking place. Now he's identifying with them. How you can identify, how you can see and know that what I'm talking about, here is what it will look like. And suddenly there was, a, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So he's fully identified the what, the where, but he never tells them how of getting there or what to do when they get there. This is where a lot of us really need to take some notes. And see what God is saying to us. It's also where the title of this message comes from. Are you willing? God has very much given you the what and where. It is up to you on the how. And this is where the shepherds begin. So in verse 15, it says, So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see these things that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The angel clearly identified the what and where. And the shepherds, as soon as that that enlightenment, the glory of God, As soon as that's not standing in front of them anymore, they're back in a dark field. But they chose to seek out what it was that God had said to them. They didn't start freaking out and saying, oh, we we can't do that. Well, We've got to take care of the sheep. They're still sitting here. We've we we got to wait till daylight to get there because it's too dark for us to walk through there. They didn't give no excuses. Guilty of this myself, of where a lot of us do not get to the place that God wants us to be, that God has clearly identified with us. You must be willing to put the work in. Now, God could have ultimately taken the shepherds. He could have brought Mary out to the field and had Mary give birth in the middle of the shepherds at the field and had them inspect then. No. God, God will tell you the where and when. You've got to have the willingness to go to it. We talked about fear a second ago. Fear is the one thing that, again, will stop us from this. The fear of the unknown. The fear of the questioning. Now, if you told me that my, my Savior, the one who's going to completely ratify and save my life, is going to be walked, wrapped up in some cloths that were found on the ground and going to be laid in a place where the, the, the pigs and the, the cows and the sheep and all that eat out of, I'm going to have some questions. This is where your relationship with Christ comes in. When you when you truly see God operating in your life, that you don't question it, that you don't walk in the fear of what it is. But the shepherds, they do something that moment. There's a lot of people that are sitting here right now that know God is saying something to them. Stop waiting. Start acting. Start being willing. Says now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. They didn't stop along the way to try to grab others. They they went and found what they was told about. They went directly to it. You don't have to get a tag along. And again, I, I, I want to see that a lot of times when we get there, you know, we're going to have to search for it in the first place. Um, I'm sure that they didn't just roll into town and, you know, they, they may have known exactly what spot to go to. That's, that's unknown to me. But, but there was still some, some type of seeking. But when you get there and it doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like, Don't turn away from it. Be willing to proclaim that that is still what God told you it was going to be. Again, I I myself probably would have questioned what was taking place right there. Why? Why is not in the comfy bed in the inn? You know, this is this the Savior that we just proclaimed of. I thought it would have been so much greater than this. But because of our fear and our anxieties and, and that kind of thing, we, we tend to shun away from it because it doesn't look the way we thought it would look. I, I personally, and this is, this is where I know God put a calling over top of my life, and I know that, that, that God placed me here. A long, long time ago, many moons, not that long ago, it's a couple years ago, but <laughs> I know that God placed on my heart to become a pastor. I can wholeheartedly tell you, standing here today, it doesn't look like nothing that I thought it was going to look like. And I I don't say that to to boast, brag, or oh, look at me, or oh, pity party, or anything like that. I say that to, to identify with what God showed me in this, that I myself was scared to walk into it first off. I came past that and didn't allow that to deter me. But when I arrived to see it, it didn't look like what I thought it would. I'll be honest, I thought it was a glamorous job before I started doing it. (laughs) It's a mess. It's a mess. I love everybody. I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for the world, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. So the shepherds are identifying now the same thing, but they are still will, willing to stand there. It says, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And I, I want you to see that, I, I totally forgot about this a second ago. Why do you think God didn't bring it, or yeah, God didn't bring it to the royalty first? Why didn't God bring it to, to not just the Pharisees but to the governing authorities, why, why didn't he bring it to somebody with popularity that had such a bigger voice to be able to to announce this so much quicker? One of the reasons for it which the scriptures aren't included in here, is you know J- Jesus' childhood it says it says in there that he was trained up to, to have the spirit of God and this is this is something I wish I would have included it now that that I think all of us need to know that when you have a calling over top of your life, when, when you're born into a situation, that there's a training period also that needs to take place. There has to be a, there has to be a time in, in learning in God. There has to be a time in accepting the Spirit. There has to be a training purpose in it. Just as myself, there had to be a training spot for me to study, for Jen to get up here and do on the drums. We couldn't just put her up here one day. There had to be a training spot in it also to complete the task that was given. And I believe it was the same with, with baby Jesus, this little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus that was born here. That's a Talladega Knights. You guys remember that quote? I'm oh, sorry, that just threw me off. We're good, though. But there, it, it is. Maybe that's another message that we'll put together of that, though. But it was, it was more that God knew who would accept him. God knew who would be able to glorify him, The most. The Pharisees, the governing authorities, they would have placed their self above it. They would have, they would have just made their self, they they would have announced, I believe, this is the Savior, this is the prophecy, but they'd have thrown a little thing in there. I bring this to you. I present Jesus to you. Notice, Notice that. The the shepherds, they don't do that. It says, widely known, the saying which was told them concerning the child. said, listen, we was was out in the field and this this, this magnificent thing took place and we were told that the birth of our Savior. They wouldn't say, I bring you the birth of the Savior. I present to you the birth of the Savior. No, they, they placed it more as... We got the privilege to be here with the Savior. We need to remember that in our our walks today. It is not God, or excuse me, sorry. It is not I who brought myself to this position. It is not I who got myself out of addiction. It is not I who who restored the marriage between me and my wife 100% was solely Christ that did that. I put some work in. I put some study in. I put some time in. But Christ led me in it. I tell our men's home in that, uh, women's home all the time, that anytime time they use the word but, Jesus better be the next word out your mouth. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. Because the word but makes everything previous to that statement obsolete. You ever had somebody tell you I had a good time, but? (laughs) uh, Your house is beautiful, but? You got a crack in the wall. It's a bad habit, and I, I beg you guys to remember that. Goes on, verse 18 through 20, it says this, And all those who heard it, marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They marveled. The ones around them marveled. Put people around you that will marvel at what you're saying. Stop filling your life with people who are going to question what God is doing in your life. This doesn't give you the go-ahead to say that God caused everything in your life because there are some things that you need to take accountability for. Um, but seriously, surround yourself with people that when you say God brought me out of addiction, when you say God gave you a house, is not going to question how you financed it and that. It's not going to question what rehab you went through. They're going to glorify God in the situation with you. Absolutely, it was God that brought you out of that. I want to continue to pray with you that you go farther in your walk with it. But it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And it it stood out to me that there's, there's times in your walk with God that it's just for you. Everything around you is great. The celebration of the birth of Christ is awesome. There's things in your life that you're doing with God that are awesome. But there's a time and a season for you to have them in your heart. Mary doesn't begin to, to tell them about all the things that the angel said to her when she conceived this child. She ponders all of this new information that is coming in on top of the information that she already has. Now, do I believe at some point in her life she began to announce this? Absolutely. But there's a time and a place for everything under the sun. And there's sometimes that you need to just sit and be with God yourself and not worry about what the people around you are saying. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard, seen, as it was told to them. How many of you have had something happen in your life that you know was God in your life? I see a whole bunch of hands right now that need to start praising God. We do not give God the glorification, the credit. We don't, we we a lot of times fall short in making sure that it was known that it was God that did it for us. And these shepherds clearly want to continue to spread not just the message, but also the joy that has been brought to them by what they've gotten to be a part of. It doesn't say that they was glorifying self-accomplishment, that I got to walk through the field and see the Savior. I got to be a part of the birth. It says he was glorifying all that they heard, all that they seen. Nothing to do with self. As you go into this Christmas season, or this Christmas day, and you're... You're looking at that manger that's sitting below the tree, and and you're unwrapping gifts, and and you're eating these dinners. I ask you guys to do me a favor, but also do yourself a favor. Remember why you're doing it. It's not the factor of, oh, great, my wife gave me a new tie. It's It's the factor of, oh, great, God gave me today. God gave me an opportunity to celebrate this today. The love of him is what is there. As you are walking through your life and you have a spot that is fearful, when you get past that and you hear the peace to you, glorify God in that situation that God gave you the courage to continue forward, that God gave you the opportunity to be in that situation which made you fearful because that's the hard part we have with it. Of glorifying God when it's fearful to us. Glorify God that He gave you the emotion of fear to understand what was taking place. But I wanna go back to the title of this real quick before we end. Are you willing? Are you willing to put the work in? Not for the salvation but because of the salvation. Are you willing to start walking towards God, what God has in your life? Are you willing to set aside your fears, anxieties, and all that? Are you willing to set behind you the childhood that you proclaim so much screwed you up? Are you willing to live in the freedom that God has given you today? If you guys are willing to stand with me, not sure if we have music. No? That's okay, we don't need it. Oh, Matt's coming. So I want you guys to ponder that point for a second. What is God saying to you today? What has God appeared in your life, as the angels did in the field, as the angels did it at Mary's bedside, as, and, and told them to be at peace? What is it that God is calling you to in your life today that you've experienced the fear of? And now it's time to walk in, to head to, to put the work in for. I want to open these altars up during this time. If you're one of those people that you know God is calling to you, to something in your life, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I'll I'll walk that. I'll be a shepherd next to you, and I'll walk that path with you to the destination that you're headed to. And so will so many others. That are here. I open these altars up to you guys. If you are a person that you know God has been calling you that you've never accepted, don't stand in fear. Today's your day to step past that and walk in what you know God is calling you to. Father God, we tell you right now that we love you. We command fear in the name of Jesus to flee from everyone in here. God, give us a willingness to walk in it, in what you you have given us. God, make that vision of, of angels in our life shine so brightly that it's undeniable. God, if there's one here today that's never accepted you into their heart, their willingness today is open to you. God. The past will no longer hold us. We will no longer live in the fear. We will live in the glory of you. God, we are standing here saying that we are willing. We are willing to walk. We are willing to go to the unknown. We are willing to travel with you. and do your will on earth as it is in heaven. God, I thank you for all that are here today. I just pray as this this next week unfolds, God, and we glorify you in your birth, That your heart be shown to all. Allow a light in the city to remind us of what this day coming is. God, we celebrate you here today. And again, we tell you that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.